bullshit to state a preference. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we are all about cinematic connections and our own movie preferences. Each week, we are discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and as always, I am joined by... Av Sinensky. And Brendan Fitzpatrick. And last week, we discussed The Thin Red Line, and due to a connection with uh, John Cusack... I almost said John Malkovich. Due to a connection from John Cusack being in both movies, we will be discussing... High Fidelity. Then at the end of the episode, we will decide on our next movie based on suggestions from you, the listeners, our top five listeners, of course, and us, your top three hosts. We'll be talking in full detail about High Fidelity. So I don't think there's much to spoil about this movie, but, you know, if you were spoiler reverse to High Fidelity, go ahead and pause this podcast. You can watch High Fidelity on uh, anywhere where you can rent movies such as Amazon or uh, Google Play. And we'll also put a timestamp in the discussion in the description for when we get to the ladder connection discussion in the podcast. So you could always skip ahead, but we would recommend that you pause this movie. Yeah, I say that every week. We would recommend that you pause this <laughs> podcast, go watch the movie, and then come back and listen for a full encompassing discussion. And as always, you can submit your feedback, ratings, questions, and comments to us at Ladder Movie on Twitter. And the movie ladder at gmail.com is our email address. We're also on Letterbox as well, so you can follow us on there. Guys, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. You excited to talk about this week's movie? Yes, it is a less of a less of a downer than last week's movie, I would say. Yeah, no, this is uh this one's a lot of fun. Yeah. Great music, great discussion. Uh Brendan, how are you? Uh pretty good, pretty good. Excited to finally talk about this movie this week um, had a lot of fun rewatching it. Um, we should probably clarify that we are not uh, going to be discussing or spoiling the Hulu TV series High Fidelity. Correct? We're no, we're not going to spoil it. it. I, I think I'm the only one who watched the Hulu series yeah. of the three of us. Um, so I'll I'll mention it, but I won't spoil it. Cool. So yeah, we 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 are just sticking to the movie. There you yeah. go. Um, but yeah, things are going well. Uh, happy to be here. Excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, is this a rewatch for all three of us? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, I had, hadn't seen this movie since probably right, either right before or right after I graduated college in around 2005, 2006. I hadn't revisited since then. So I definitely have some uh, opinions on a rewatch as a matured adult rather than someone who was around the character's age when I saw this. I was going to say, you were probably right around the age of the yeah. main characters, at least the age they were playing in this movie. I don't know if they actually were that age. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I had been wanting to rewatch this one since I watched the series back in February when the Hulu series came out. And uh, it had been on my list, so I'm glad that it came up on our ladder this week. So, uh, And we're shuffling the format a little bit tonight. So we are going to start with our discussion of this movie. And then after we pick our movie for the ladder, then... Uh, depending on time constraints, we'll talk about best movie we watched um, and all of that stuff that we usually do at the beginning. We're just going to jump right into our discussion of High Fidelity. All right, Brendan, why don't you intro High Fidelity? Yeah, so High Fidelity is a 2000 American romantic comedy starring John Cusack, uh, Imjin Haji as Laura, Jack Black, Todd Louise, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Charlie, Lisa Bonet as Marie DeSalle, Sarah Gilbert, Lily Taylor, Joan Cusack, Tim Robbins, and a whole host of who's who 
of people that you've probably seen throughout the 80s and 90s in various films. They sort of all come together in a surprise experience um, appearance by Bruce Springsteen. Um, a very young Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, well, very, I mean, I guess well not that young, it's 2000. But he's young looking. He definitely put something in Compared his hair. Compared to now. Yeah. The beard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it basically follows the story of Rob as he goes through a midlife crisis. He's a uh, record store owner in his early to mid-30s, maybe late 20s, who is basically just broken up with his girlfriend and bases everything in all of his relationships around music and builds musical tapes and CD compilations for everyone in his life based off of his emotions. And he even has a very prescient quote at the beginning, which is, um, you know, which came first, the music or the misery? Was I miserable because I listened to pop music or did pop music make me miserable? Yeah. Uh, so should I have opened with that? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that would have been a great opener. But, um, but pop it's music like, isn't, sort of, isn't miserable, though. I wouldn't say pop music is miserable. Oh, no, a lot of it is. It's a lot of it is like it melancholic. Really is. It's about lost love and you know, a, a lot right. of pop music it's, is pretty downer. So it's yeah. it's usually about like breakups and yeah, it's about you know, breakups. Un- yeah, unrequited love right. and the, you know yeah, it's, or it's, a lot of it. I maybe not a lot of it is about yeah. It's just, I feel like it's because it's upbeat. I don't think of it as being depressed. Like most yeah. pop music, right? Is pretty exactly, upbeat. and that's, that's most sort of most songs are usually quote. about like two happy people in love. Yeah, and that's sort of the point of the quote is you know was I miserable. Because I listened to pop music, or did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like this sort of which came first, the chicken or the egg thing. And there's really no right answer because both are the right answer at the same time. Yeah, you know, it just sort of is. They feed each other in like an endless loop. Uh, yes, I'm talking a lot about endless loops on another podcast. Today. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so this movie is a, as you said, Brendan, it's a, it's a romantic comedy from the 2000s. It's based on a book by Nick Hornsby, uh, yeah. Nicholas Hornsby, who also wrote, um, what is that book called? Uh, uh, about a boy. Uh, he, wrote, okay. he wrote the book that the movie About a Boy is based on with Hugh Grant, um, which is another very uh, highly rated romantic comedy. I haven't seen that probably mm-hmm. in almost as long as I haven't seen this movie. Um, and- I actually thought this was a Cameron Crowe film until this most recent watch. And, like, halfway through, I realized, oh, this isn't a Cameron Crowe film. And I Mm-mm. actually thought it was, and I'm not sure why I always thought it was. Maybe because um, Almost Goodness came out around the same time, and I sort of lumped the two together as being, you know, one of the same mold. That's um, interesting. I don't think of them as being that similar to me. I think probably because I saw them around the same time, I think of them in the same beat, being the same sort of movie. But you're right. They are very different films, but they both have that sort of personal feeling of the person who made it so and i mean and they're both very focused around music as well and yeah. writing about music and yeah for sure yeah uh no this this movie is directed by stephen frears and i looked at his uh his letterbox i've watched one movie that he has made but i've had there's mm-hmm. a couple that i've heard are good he he made philomena which is uh, i think that was nominated for oscars uh, he also yeah. made the queen for florence foster jenkins dangerous oh did made dangerous liaisons which i've never seen but uh, that was referenced, I believe, in Seinfeld. They referenced Dangerous Liaisons. Mm. Um, and The Grifters as well, which I believe is a movie that had came up, uh, also starring John Cusack. So um, nothing quite like High Fidelity. I don't I don't really see anything on this list that he made that reminds me of High Fidelity. But um, Av, what was your uh, what was your opinion revisiting High Fidelity? How did you feel about it? 
Um, I think I felt pretty much the same as I did when I first saw it, which is that I think like the first 45 minutes to an hour of this movie are excellent. Like, like one of the best like stretches in a romantic comedy or, or even, or like just like movies from that time. It's like, it's really, really great. Um, with, you know, the top five lists and just kind of like recounting all the breakups to kind of just like cuts against the rom-com genre by like showing like breakups rather than couples getting together Mm. um and then i think the second half like when it really just becomes more of a traditional rom-com and him trying to reconcile with uh laura Laura. um i think it just kind of becomes more generic and formulaic and it's like it's still fine but it's like i think it doesn't quite live up to the excellent first half yeah i I agree with that as i was watching this i really like the first half and the first half i remember really well i mean right up until the part where Joan Cusack's character runs into the store and yells, you asshole. Yeah. I feel like that whole stretch is really strong. And then, you know, the second half of this movie, there is some good stuff. Um, there is, I, I think this is a great like hangout movie. Uh, mm. Lots of just good conversations and good music, but I don't feel like the story really progresses anywhere where you, I, I, at the end of the movie, like I, I knew the movie was almost over. Cause I was, I knew how much time I had left in it, but I felt like, Rob didn't really go on as much of a journey as I remembered him yeah. going on. Um, and I, and it, it just kind of comes together. It was kind of like when they were making this movie, they were like me and they're like, all right, I got to be wrapped up by eight o'clock. And right. uh, they're like, all right, let's just wrap up this movie. Right. And I think when I saw this in college, I appreciated that because I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I'm not going to change. I'm everybody else is the problem and not me. And Rob has that same mentality mm-hmm. of just this angsty, you know, mid twenties, early twenties, college kid, and he never really changes. Even in the way he changes in acting towards Laura, he doesn't actually change. He's still the same asshole at the end of the movie that he was at the beginning. We don't but see any the other slight thing. the slight difference that he has the opportunity to pursue the writer who he meets at the end of the movie. Right. Um, she's interested in him. And but we're, uh, ne- we're given no evidence that he's that, that he won't face that certain temptation again and not succumb to it. He just didn't for two seconds. Right. But he's still like that same asshole. Yeah, he just yeah. kind of got over. Basically, I, I feel like it was just like this movie was watching yeah. him get over all of these previous relationships that he right. had um, right. and, and burying the past and, you know, kind of. Kind of categorizing, if you think of his relationships like his albums, he's just kind of categorizing them as, right. as phases within his life. Yeah, and I, I agree with you guys on the first half to second half part. For me, where it really sort of um, drops off is after the dinner party with um, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Charlie, yep. Yeah, Charlie, who is fantastic in her two scenes that she's in. Yeah, I forgot she was um, in the movie. Yeah, she's, she's really great, and she's gorgeous. And she's, you know... Just looks great, sounds great. It's a great actress. I love what she makes the most of her two scenes she's in. But for me, that really is the point where it stopped because I did that same sort of groan that she does in that scene where she realizes why he's really there and then he lied to her and was like, he really did want to just recontextualize their entire relationship and dredge up stuff from five or ten years ago. Mm -hmm. And that, like, that sort of I, I kind of did that same groan in the moment where I was like, oh, my God, you are an asshole. Ugh. Oh, yeah. And, Rob, Rob is and then it just an went down from there. And it just um, I, I also remember, you know, I guess right around the time Ray comes to see him is about the time where the movie 
sort of starts to take a step back and sort of wind itself up to the eventual co- conclusion with um, with Laura. But yeah, I agree. The first half is so much stronger than the second. Yeah. Um, why is that guy's name Ray and not Ian? Because his last name is Raymond. His last name is Raymond, so his nickname is Ray. Like, my nickname is Fitzy. My last name is Fitzpatrick. So, yes. you know, a nickname. Uh, yeah, I know how nicknames work. It's just <laughs> weird. All right, Brooks. It didn't seem like you did from your question. It, well, I mean, why would they call him Ray? It Who the hell knows? That's what they call him. <laughs> Ray. There, there are much dumber nicknames than somebody whose mm-hmm. last name who's Raymond being called Ray. For sure. Um, yeah. No, I was I was confused for a little bit, and then I looked up on Wikipedia and saw that his last name was Raymond, and I was like, ah, that's why they're calling him Ray. Because I'm like, you keep saying his name is Ian, but you're calling him Ray. Right. It probably that part probably comes through a little bit better in the book, and I think there are parts of this movie probably the second half works better as a as chapters in a book. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, none of us have read the book, so we couldn't really compare. Um, but I did see that Nicholas Hornsby said when he saw this movie that John Cusack's character Rob was pulled right out of the way the book was described, the way he mm-hmm. acts in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was kind of surprised that Nicholas Hornsby didn't have a writing credit or a producing credit on this movie. Um, it's based on his book, but uh, no credits for him. Really? No, not even like a story by? Nope. Not that. I, well, at least not on Letterboxd. So. Interesting. So he, that means he maybe. They maybe he maybe bought the rights from him and then just he didn't want to have anything to do with the actual adaptation and so they just let him go or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. It's Hard weird to not have a credit. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Um All right. So I think like story wise, there's not really like a story for us to go through in this movie. I mean, basically what we're watching is we're watching Rob. He gives us at the beginning of the movie his top five uh most memorable breakups, and they are in order Allison Ashmore. Mm. Penny, Charlie, who is played by uh, by Catherine, Catherine Zeta Jones. Yes, uh, yeah. Sarah, who is his the great, uh, the great Lily Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have to talk about her because she looks super yeah. familiar to me, and I'm not sure why. <clears throat> and then uh, it was originally Jackie. Jack is replaced by Laura, and you know it's really fun in the beginning of the movie. We're seeing flashbacks to each of these relationships. Now, you know, do we have an unreliable narrator of some of these? I mean, it seems like. Uh, you know, it seems like Rob's recollection recollection of these relationships is different than what we get when he reconnects with these people. But luckily for him, four of the five women on this list are still in the Chicago area, so he's able to go see them. Yeah, lucky him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, Rob is we, we haven't really talked about it, but Rob works as an owner of a record store and he has two very charismatic employees, Dick and Barry. Barry, I would say Dick is very charismatic. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. They're not charismatic. Maybe, Me- memorable. Uh, very memorable, very- yes. Very memorable <laughs> characters, yes. Uh, Dick, is, Dick is very memorable. Dick always, uh, when I first saw this in 2000, he reminded me a lot of my friend Elliot. Um, yeah. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Brendan knows Elliot. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I know where you you probably where you recognize Lily Taylor from, by the way, because yes, I did that? a little bit of a deep dive. I think it's from <laughs> Ransom. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. she's one of the kidnappers in Ransom. Uh, yeah, and she also so, kind of looks like Sarah Silverman or um, what's her name from Freaks and Geeks? Uh, who's also oh, Linda Cardellini? Yeah, Linda yeah. Cardellini. So maybe it's just that. Maybe. that could be. Um, but yeah, she's been yeah. in a ton of movies. I do remember her. Was she been in any TV shows? Um, because maybe I remember her from a TV show. She was on Six Feet Not Under. Not that I'm seeing. Like, no. Oh, six. I bet it's Six Feet Under. 
Oh, could be, could be. She's one of the sisters, I think. Or okay. one, the, I think she's uh, not sister, girlfriend, somebody. Well, uh, I won't go far too far into her IMDb because it may come up later. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, he and is, a lot uh, of this... She plays Nate's first wife. Okay. I, I haven't seen Six Feet Under. In a, I mean, I probably have seen this movie more the first yeah. time more recently. I haven't seen Six Feet Under in a while. Six Feet Under is an incredible show. It's really good. Uh, I never saw the end, like the last couple scenes seasons, but I know how the show ends. And oh, the, the finale ending. is like it's like one of the best finales. That's what especially I heard. like out, there's like an ending seen. montage that's like yeah. incredibly like, uh, that ties seen the whole series together. Yeah, it's it's one of the first HBO dramas, like prestige HBO dramas. I think right. it came out after Oz, but before Sopranos and The Wire. So, um. Yeah, a lot of the time in this movie we're spending either with Rob reconnecting with an old girlfriend or with Rob hanging out in the store. And mm-hmm. I definitely prefer the Rob hanging out in the store scenes to the Rob reconnecting with his girlfriends. Um, yeah. Um, the, so this store is called I had it written down somewhere and I can't find it. Uh, Championship yeah. Vinyl. Championship Vinyl. Yes. Uh, I do not remember what the name of the store is in the TV show, um, mm. but the TV show has a, uh, you know, the the. The main character, also named Rob in the TV show, also mm-hmm. owns a record store. So they do keep that continuity between the... Yeah, and she has a couple of employees, if I recall, who just showed yes. up one day and didn't leave. So it's yes. sort of the same thing. But yeah, but they're, they're, it's a... Um, they they gender, gender, gender reversal. Gender, yes. gender uh, and really interesting because it is Zoe Kravitz plays the Rob character. Of course, Rob is short for yeah. Robin in the TV show. And Zoe Kravitz's mother is Lisa Bonet. Yep. Yeah, I had I had totally did not put that together when I watched the series. Exactly they look exactly so like. I was, so like I was watching the movie. I was watching the movie the other night, and I was like, "Wow, she looks exactly like Zoe Kravitz, who plays like yeah. the title character in the show." And I looked at her, I'm like, "Oh my god, that's her mother!" I had I had no idea. Yeah, and that's why uh, it, it threw me off too. Like I had to like double check myself that it wasn't Zoe Kravitz; it was Lisa Bonet. Yeah, they look like, exactly the same. Yeah, it's crazy. because I had just finished watching Zoe Kravitz, you know, recently in Big Little Lies. So right, yep, like, right. Yeah, it's. Uh, so yeah, I uh, I guess just to just to touch on the show as we're talking about it, um, I'm the only one of the three of us who has seen the TV show or the Hulu show. Um, I, saw I would it. recommend. Oh, you did watch. I it. saw okay. it. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. I thought it was really I, good. I, honestly, I think I I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed this movie. I think because yeah. I think that it really benefits from being like teased out a little bit. Like mm-hmm. those like scenes where like I th- I think in the show basically like each episode at least the beginning like really like deep dives each of the relationships like each of the breakups. Um, and I thought they really benefited from you know really spreading that out and like getting more background on the characters. I mean, it's just you know it's just a TV versus movie thing, but I think for this story, it was better suited for a TV show. And I, I assume the book also probably does a very good job at that. So, um, yeah, but the, I still really enjoyed the movie, but I thought the the show did an even better job with the same material. And the show is half hour episodes and I, there's like eight or 10 episodes. I mean, there was not that many of them. So it's, you know, maybe five hours at most. Um, so it's not, you know, it's longer yeah. than the, it's longer than the movie, but you could watch what, it in two nights. Yes. And what the show benefits from that probably is what the book benefits from too, is that this movie really is kind of set up in chapters. And, you know, as a movie, it's just kind of tells one story. But when you're able to break that up and have like a chapter about each relationship or a chapter about um, there's one episode where where there's a uh, a rich woman whose husband is a record collector and she goes to the house and uh, gets all of these like super rare records. And um, it just kind of has these one off interesting adventures. Uh, The movie takes place in New York, I believe, like in Brooklyn area. Oh, Chicago. Uh, 
Uh, sorry, no. the TV show takes place the in TV New York. show, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the TV movie, show's in Brooklyn. Yeah, the movie is most certainly okay. in Chicago, and yeah. I, I really enjoyed the, the Chicago-ness of this movie. Mm. Um, did you guys notice when uh, when Rob goes and reconnects with Penny, who was number two on the list, yeah. Penny is now a movie reviewer. They go to a movie. I'm not sure what, mo- what movie it was, but did you pick up on what movie theater they visited? No, I did not. And it looked familiar. I just couldn't figure out where I'd see the uh, did, from. Did you? Uh, did no, you I didn't. I didn't even notice. So they went to the Music Box Theater in Chicago, mm-hmm. which oh, is, there was the Music Box. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think that was. I'm not sure if that was the actual Music Box because it looked okay. different than when I went there. But uh, the Music Box is a historic theater in Chicago that is brought up a lot on the Film Spotting podcast because they're both yeah. yeah. It's where they do all their live shows. Yeah. Yeah, and awesome. and that reference, I mean, that's just kind of indicative to the amount of really interesting pop culture references in this, not mm-hmm. just music. I mean, you'd mentioned Bruce Springsteen earlier. Um, we get references to a whole litany of bands, um, yeah. but also also references to movies as well throughout. So some really great pop culture references that I don't know if if the book has the same amount of pop culture references. The TV show does. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be really recently. curious to read the book if I doubt. Um, yeah. But that's true. But yeah, I, I were there any that really stuck out to you guys? Um, there were a couple that really stuck out to me. I really like the scene where they're talking about where um, Dick first meets his new girlfriend Sarah Gilbert, yeah. yep. who's uh, everybody know, should know from Roseanne and a couple other things. And they're talking about um, they're talking about the origin of Green Day and Green Day's influences. And then he introduces her to this other song and then the person comes behind them and is like is this the new green day and they share that you like that's when you know they're gonna these two are gonna like fall in love because they share this little like smile with each other because they now that is a that is a great mute meet cute and yeah um, and i'm a sucker for that kind of romantic comedy stuff where it's like this guy is clearly like an outcast and he like found somebody who he's on the same level with during this so i actually also really like like that shy nerdiness yeah right yeah for sure um, so that, that, but I, yeah, that I really was, like the, um, the sort of like, uh, music debates they would have or music knowledge that was dropped in really quick succession. Yeah. Um, I wrote down that basically this, this movie is a podcast basically. Yeah, it, like yeah. it's not, not necessarily our podcast. It's more, it's one that's more like just conversational banter. Um, right. it reminds it's like 30, me, it's like 32 fans. Exactly. That banter was exactly and ranking right. fans. Yeah. Yep. Yep, banter's and ranking. It, it's it, right it, there in the theme song. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's a music podcast I listen to called Hit Parade from Slate, where Chris Malathy, the host, goes into a different artist and their influence every week, spanning all generations and genres. Yeah, and so he, that's he sort comes of on the gist thing. a lot. Huh? He he comes on the gist a lot as a guest. Yeah, and he'll he'll do like uh you know he'll choose like a year and like do okay. go, go like through like the top like you know hits of that year and like who won the Grammys and kind of like give you like yeah. a, a ten minute crash course on like the year nineteen eighty seven in pop music. It's, yeah, he's really yeah. good. It's a really fun podcast, and unfortunately for now they're not putting out any new episodes because they um moved it to their paid platform, so you have to pay if you want any new episodes because Slate is running out of money apparently. But anyway, I digress. But that, yeah, I love that podcast. If you're interested in the back catalog, it's got a really great back I've catalog. I've never even heard of that music, podcast. Music I, didn't know, I mean, I feel like I know every podcast uh, you listen to. I had no idea that. Yeah, was it's called Hit Parade. It's, it's really great. Yeah. I started listening to it a few months ago when it was recommended from a uh, like best of the year list at the end of 2019. Yeah. Um, Brendan, did you feel like Dick and Barry were basically you and me 
on Gchat all day. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that, <laughs> I was gonna. I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring that up. Obviously, I'm Dick. You're Barry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But um, yeah, I'm obviously the Dick, and you're yeah. obviously a Barry. I mean, your name is your. Some people might not know this, but you're. Uh, sorry to dox you, but oh your God. real first name is Richard. So you really are the dick. So. I really am the dick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, you know, Brendan would hop into the G chat and talk about <laughs> how the new Bell and Sebastian album is really good. And I would tell really would. It, and I would play <laughs> Walking on Sunshine. So I bet, I bet Dick still has a flip phone. Oh, yeah, probably. And an iPod. <laughs> I'm sure Dick is hanging out with that iPod. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess that makes that makes Av the Rob, who's just sitting there like rolling his eyes at us smoking a cigarette. Yep. <laughs> could I be could I be Zoe Kravitz Rob though? Because I like her a lot more than John Cusack. <laughs> just as a character, you mean, or uh... overall? Yeah, um, yeah. She's she's uh, Brennan. At some point, when you're looking for like a easy, you know, you're looking for like a weekend binge, you should check out the High Fidelity Show. I think you'll like it. Yeah, I watched the you first could, you, two. You could, I just haven't yeah, gotten back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can really watch, watch it in a night, like yeah. or, you know, you, you you put you start that yeah, at I, like seven o'clock one evening, and you'll you could just like tear right through it. I think it's it so actually, watchable. I think it benefits from that binge funny. too, because um, as a as like the week to week, like I think I binged the first four because I was a couple mm-hmm. weeks behind, but then I had to go week to week because Hulu goes week to week, which I appreciate that. But by the end of it, sort of like this movie, by the, like the second half of the season, I was kind of like, all right, like let's let's move things along here. Um. Yeah. So speaking of uh, the debates these guys have, um, I did have one note because I had to look it up afterwards because it was such an obscure music reference that they made. So there's that one scene where they have the argument about Jan and Dean when they're talking about um, compiling the top five for Laura's dad. Um, And they talk about Jan and Dean and how, you know, Jan died in a car crash right after the release of Dead Man's Curve. No, it was Dean, you idiot. No, it was Jan. No, it was Dean. The answer is neither. So Jan was in a car crash, but he didn't die. But they did have to break up for like two years while he recovered from the car crash and regained use of his the right side of his body. Who are Jan and Dean? Jan and Dean are like one of those surfing um, 50s surfer rock duos that were in the like late 50s, early 60s, all of the Beach Boys. Mm, okay. They were sort of like a Beach Boys light. So they had Surf City USA and a couple of other well-known hits, but they never got as popular as the Beach Boys. Oh, interesting. Okay. But yeah, never heard they, were, they were the same sort of genre. Yeah, this podcast is going to out how uh, I really don't know much about music. <laughs> I think the you can if you chart my trajectory of following music to my trajectory of listening to podcasts, they uh, they co they co correspond right around like 2010 when I really started listening mm-hmm. to a lot of podcasts, and I was like, well, yeah, I don't have the ear yep. capacity to listen to music anymore. Yeah, the same thing pretty much happened to me. Yeah, um, yeah. it's unfortunate because I really love listening to music, and it was like the main thing that I would do, like whenever I used to like take a subway or be in the car or whatever, and that's just basically all been replaced with podcasting time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. New new music is now what I hear at the grocery store when I don't have my iPod with me. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say new music like, is what I hear on SNL. That's usually yeah, where I hear new music. That's about it. Yeah. Just a quick plug for a recent episode of Reply All. Mm-hmm. Just, just because you mentioned uh, music at the grocery store, if you if you just check out, there's an episode like it was like two or three episodes ago where they talk about an, somebody hearing a song at a grocery store that he's convinced that he wrote. It's amazing. Oh. Wow. It's like I've one never of the, it's like, reply, reply. Oh, it's it's, it's really a, good. It's a great great podcast, and just check out that episode. And if you like that, then you should like go back and listen to a bunch of episodes because they're all like kind of like they they solve like internet mysteries. 
or oh, solve like mysteries like using the internet to like track things down and figure stuff out. It's really, really good. I've heard about Reply All for years and I've always been like, oh, I should check that out at some point. So. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I say that about like every time I hear about an NPR show that I haven't listened to. And I just like, I'm like, oh yeah, I should download a bunch of episodes and listen to this show. And I, I did that with Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me a little while ago. And then I just like fell off of it again. Yeah, but wait, I, Wait, Don't Tell Me is very fun. I yeah, do. it's very fun. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, yeah, some other pop culture references that are in this. Uh, I really liked when they're having the debate about, like, I said I didn't like she when Laura says she didn't sleep with Ian yet. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're having the debate. And then Rob says, if I said I hadn't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. yet. <laughs> what yeah. Would you think? But, uh, but and like Jack Black can't accept the premise of the question. Right. <laughs> He's like, I would say you're an idiot because you haven't seen an American cinematic classic. I, I I did think it was very interesting that like he's she basically tells him like they haven't slept together yet but like the the actual sleeping together the the not as a euphemism is like the best like sleeping next to someone that he's ever she's ever had mm-hmm. and he's like very relieved by that which is just like a huge sign of his like immaturity and not really understanding that like that's her basically telling him that like she's with someone that like she like really cares about and is like comfortable with and like that's like more important to like in terms of like has she moved on that's much more of an indication that yes she has than like whether or not she had sex with him a couple times Mm -hmm. is that him growing up is that him is him getting more mature well i think he he matures a little bit by the end of the movie but like at that point in the movie he's still just like looking yeah he's like looking for all the wrong things in life i mean like Mm -hmm. uh, i don't remember where it is i think it's maybe more towards the middle where he's going through his like top five dream jobs Mm -hmm. and like three of them are literally jobs that are not obtainable because they only occurred like in the past it's like being like a writer for rolling stone in 1978 or something like that yeah like like this guy is like he's literally 1980 yeah yeah like like you're 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 giving like you're giving yourself aspirations like it's not even like you're saying like she and she jokes like oh how about king of france um (laughs) like it's not like it's not like he's saying like oh i want to be commissioner of the nfl which is extremely unrealistic Mm -hmm. but at least plausible like his Mm -hmm. goals are not achievable they are impossible to fulfill except architect yeah i mean the two of them were were okay and then and as she points out she's like how about owning your own record store right like that's you know that's an achievement uh i do want to talk about that because i think he has the dream job like i don't for me at least growing up i was always like it was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it wasn't on a record store. I was like, I want to own a video store. Yeah, I'm like, me too. the video store was my, like, when I watch this movie, I don't connect with the music part of it that much because I'm not that into music. Uh, the part that I connect with is the, like, love of some sort of medium and some sort of, some sort of, like, uh, thing that you can be an expert in. And, and I mean, that's, the well, three of us have a movie podcast. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. we love movies. And growing up, the you know, one of my favorite activities was going for two for one night to the video store every day, every week. 100%. And, you know, at the time before video stores were going to become extinct, I was all about wanting to uh, own my own video store. Yep. My so, first job in high school was I worked in the video department of our local Kroger's and my mom asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up one day. And I was like, I just want to work in the video department at Kroger for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, it's like, I, I it, it was just when you're 15, 16 years old, it just doesn't get better than that, you know. I mean, even now, like I would not say, yeah. you know, if there was a video store, if, if working in a video store was a viable, and, like I guess that's and, kind of like one of Rob's top five jobs. It's like, what would you like to be? It's like, well, I would like to work in a video store from 1994 to 1996. Exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what was the? Who was the guy in Seinfeld that had the uh, the wall of his? Um, there were the wall of his recommendations that Elaine really liked. 
um, that Vincent. she starts dating him. Vincent, yes. Okay. Uh, yes, I wanted to be Vincent. I Thank wanted to know. have my wall of movie recommendations. <laughs> I guess that's what, why we have this podcast. So we can yeah, I think it is. That's what this is. We are now your your video clerks of the modern age. Yeah. Where we're just like, hey, I think you like this one. Right. Here. <laughs> um, Check out our letterbox. Uh, that does actually remind me of the, so we get the scene uh, early on in the movie where he's sorting all of his records and Dick stops by and he's like, you're not sorting them alphabetically and you're not sorting them chronologically. And, and then yep. Rob says, I'm sorting them autobiographically. And basically <laughs> what he is doing is he is taking all of his records and he is making a record ladder and he is connecting yep. each record to each other based on things that happened in his life. Yep. So like, I, oh, that's I definitely like the same thing as this I was like, oh my god, that is so awesome. Yeah. And I wish I could do that. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I did that with, you know, with movies on Letterboxd, where I went through and I, when I first got Letterboxd, I rank every movie for every year I was born. Uh, like, fun fun fact, my brother and I might be doing a podcast similar to that for his 31st birthday next week. Oh, Lord. For his life, yes. That's awesome. It's it's still in the works. We're talking about doing something similar to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. It reminded me. I, I am imagining that the three of us all had a very big DVD collection back when people had DVDs, yep. and I had these two giant DVD racks in college, and I think I had up to like two hundred twenty-five, two hundred fifty DVDs that I had bought. Um, it was a waste of money because DVDs are extinct at this point, but. Um, I had them all like they were all alphabetical and I would like loan DVDs to people. I would recommend movies to people out of my apartment in college. <laughs> so um, and this was I, I do believe one of those DVDs actually was High Fidelity. Pretty sure I had this movie on DVD. Nice. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I did a lot of that with music with friends in college where basically we would, you know, we had those giant binders of CDs. Binders full just, of women. You know, <laughs> take a huh? Yes, binders full. Carry it. on. Stop it. God, stupid joke. Anyway, so you take <laughs> your giant binder of CDs and you, you know, throw a bunch of them in a CD burner and make a mixed CD for someone and swap it for another mixed CD that they traded with you for full of songs that neither of you had the CDs for. And that was like something we did all throughout college. And I still have like you know, two dozen mixed CDs amongst every all my other CDs in my giant CD book that are just swaps that were done during college, and they're great. And I wouldn't trade them for the world, and they're not going to come up later on my on my list because they can't because nobody else can have them but me. But that's right, what makes them mixers. special, you know. And that's that's it's what awesome. that's what Rob gets into at the end of this at the right. end of the movie. Exactly. Uh, what was your DVD collection like in college? Um, I had a lot, but I also, um, when I was in college, like we had like access to like a huge network of like movies and shows that we could download. So like I had a lot of movies on a, like a burn, like a burn DVD that I just like would like, I would like spend all day just like making like a catalog of everything that they had available, even though I probably ended up watching like less than half of it. But like I would, I had like these binders of like basically CDs with movies on them. Um, I actually like found them recently and like went through them just to see if there's anything that I would want to have still. And how was no, the there quality on those? Did you did you they were, that? No, they're pretty good because oh, they're like they nice. they're computer files. They're you oh, know yeah. they're burnt like it's the, the way they end up on you know these places is they're burned off the DVDs for the most part, mm -hmm. and now now they're burned off of streaming sites. Mm -hmm. So they're yeah. pretty good quality. I uh, I was a sucker for the three for twenty five deals at Best Buy. Oh, so it would always be like. 
oh, these two movies are movies I want. And then it was like, well, I guess I have to get a third. And here's saving Yeah. I'll still buy a Blu-ray every now and then. Um, I would say I probably buy two or three a year of like something something new or just like something that I've like realized I want to own, even though it's like you don't really need to. Um, the good thing about that is that most Blu-rays now, when you buy them, they also give you the streaming rights. Right. So like they give you like a code to plug in. So like then you, you still have it anywhere. So like if you're ever planning on buying um, a movie on streaming, like on Amazon or wherever, and you're at all, you know, DVD or Blu-ray person who likes just like having them, then you should go for the Blu-ray because you get two for you get both for the price oh, of one. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get the, the movie anywhere that you can plug into the site. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really buy anything like that anymore. I'll get Blu-rays from library, but very rarely do I buy movies, even though there's movies I want to own. I just... Yeah, I do have a no. lot of my old DVDs that I found, and I moved them to my apartment. So I have a, mm. I do have a, a wall of DVDs still because they're not the quality isn't like the yeah. worst. It's just not amazing. Um, yeah, I, I still have a lot of DVDs here at the apartment, but not nearly as many as I had in college, just mm. because you know I've moved so many times over the right. last you know. 15 That's the biggest years problem with having you, all those things. Is, and it was either move, that or you ship them back to my mom's house, and then I have giant boxes of just shit stacked up in their garage you know and i don't want yeah. that i mean i just spent an entire weekend clearing out boxes from my mom's garage and i thought you know it would be even worse if it was dvds because i wouldn't want to get rid of any of them but i would like feel like i had to you know yeah so, but, it's uh like you know having like a collection like that really plays into like the themes of this movie where like they try to like argue that you know what you like is who you are um I, which, you I, know obviously to an extent I, I that's true that. I, I do actually um, agree with that. Yeah, and that Especially. you know, and like you know, that's what you know. Lots of people do with like oh. their DVD collections or their book collection. You like it's something that you want to display so that when yeah. people come to your house, they can say, "Ooh, sure. this is the t- this guy why, is you know yeah. into this sort of stuff." Oh, that's he has why, all these like, books. He must be really smart. Yeah, that's why you. That's why like people judge you by the amount of and what books you have on your bookshelf that they can see when they walk into your apartment or house for the first time, like. That's why people are people are naturally drawn to a bookshelf, whether it's DVDs or records or books, to like see you can instantly kind of know who this person is by what they have on their shelf to a degree. And these characters, ide- yeah. and these characters definitely identify with that. Although For Rob sure. seems like I mean Rob has like thousands of records in his department, and you can't even tell what anything is. So if you looked at that, it's like, well, how would you even know anything about Rob? Because you would just see all of these. I mean, you you would have to pull the records off the shelf and actually like look at them right. to find out anything. And about I Rob. think to a degree that's an intentional because it sort of shows his emotional mess of a person that he is, mm-hmm. where nothing's properly organized and nothing's easily readable. He's sort of just a mess of his own emotions. Yeah, I do and think it's symbolic. I it's, agree. it's definitely symbolic. You know. Um, all right, and I think I think too, like talking about people displaying the movies that are their their, their mm. favorites and the records. I mean, we have less physical media now, so we can't do that. But I do think we still do that on the internet, right? Yeah, like well, people, sure. make letter, people make letterbox lists, and people say, you know, this is my top ten movies of my lifetime, and this is my top ten movies of last year. And it is so personal, right? Like, what was your, yeah. you know, like your favorite movie last year is something that personally affected you, even though. Yeah. Probably like your your letterbox list for your favorite movie from last year is probably not the like most critically acclaimed movie from last year or the movie that won best picture. Um, although yeah. mine mine is uh, most of the, I mean, most, of the time most, most of the time it's not. But last year yeah. it was a no. It's not consensus. every year you get a parasite. Right. Point. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good thing you don't get a parasite every it's, year. It's funny the way how we could really just like intertwine and become so personal. Like I, I would sometimes have like people like apologizing to me that like they didn't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm like, you know, like I wasn't involved with the making yeah, of the movie. Right. Like I just liked it. Like it's right. not like I'm not insulted if you didn't like a movie that I had nothing to do with. You um, weren't Tarantino's directing yeah, stuff. No, level? nothing to do with it. I just I just saw the movie in the theater. And wrote it. Um, when the, one of the first times I hung out with my wife uh, before we started dating, she uh, left her I I think it was an iPod at the time on the mm-hmm. table and I just like picked it up and just like started like shuffling through it and she's like what are you doing I'm like oh I'm looking to see like what music you you have she's like oh you're just you're like judging me now based on like what songs and the stuff I'm like and I'm like correct to a degree <laughs> and it worked out and two two kids later it's still going so yeah yeah. right yeah her musical taste I do think I I'll, I'll I'll ask people a lot like what was what's your favorite movie or what was the best the best movie you saw last year I started mm-hmm. a job a few years ago and we had an icebreaker and they asked me to come up with the icebreaker. I said, well, what was the best movie you guys saw last year? And mm. half the people in the room could not name. They said, I didn't see a movie last year. And then probably a quarter of the people in the room listed movies that did not come out the year before. And at mm. that point I was like, this is not the right job for me. And a year and a half later I left. Right. Uh, I was like, oh, this culture is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and it's the same thing with music for sure. I mean, you know, before, you know, when you're when you're in college, that's sort of when you're formulating your musical taste to a degree. You know, I mean, that's what that's what you do. You know, not look just at, look at you with the transition. I mean, not just trying to just, see that up. Very good. It's yeah. not just music, but it's music too. Because I mean, I know when I was in college, that's what a lot of you know my friends and I would sit around and do is you know listen to music while we play video games and talk about. Know? Like we do on podcasts and yeah. like they did in this movie. Uh, yeah, so sure. so Brendan teed, Brendan teed this up very nicely. I do want to get back to Jack Black because we have not talked about Jack Black's character enough because he's great. But before we do that, the three of us prepared something special for this podcast. Given how prevalent top fives are and music is, we started talking about we should bring – I initially said we should bring our top five like favorite albums or desert island albums. Brendan had the idea of top five most influential albums, which is a little bit more subjective and even more yeah. fun. And I so, thought this would allow for more variance and it would also sort of allow the listeners kind of like we were just talking about when you look at somebody's DVD collection or music collection, you learn something about them. And these are the, for me, at least the way I viewed this coming up with this list is the five albums that, when I list these, it will tell you something about me. You know yes. what I mean? Like the, the five personally influential albums. And mine is five albums that kind of define different periods of my life. And I can remember something very specific about those albums. Um, how did you define this exercise? Yeah. I just wrote down the names of five albums I really like and didn't put that much more thought into it. But yeah. it probably yeah. it's, pro- it's probably close enough to those things also because yeah, I, I, I tried to go for a nice cross-section of time and um, – yeah, I'm, my list is not like that unique. It's just <laughs> yeah, great uh, albums. Barry would tear all of our lists to shreds. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us how why like the real album that we should like by that band is the one that we haven't heard of. Yes, exactly. These were these guys were hipsters before they were hipsters. Yeah. Uh, and in the TV show, they become hipsters, so it works. Uh, <laughs> exactly. All right, Brennan, this was your exercise, so we'll start with you. Um, yeah. Mine aren't in any kind of order, really. Well, mine are in mine. chronological order, but. Uh, uh, autobiographical. Yes, I have autobiographical. So my first one, and it was the first album I thought of for this list, and it's the album that to this day I can listen to front to back, and it still brings out certain emotions in me, and I can just feel it, every beat of it, and I know every note of it, and that's Nirvana Unplugged. 
Nirvana on Plow, that's a good album. That's a great choice. Yeah. All right. Uh, so mine, do you have anything else on that? Or do you want me to go to mine? No, go for it. All right. So my number five, uh, these are mine or not autobiographical order. This is what I believe is the first album I owned. Uh, and I remember I listened to it and thought it was very naughty because it had lots of bad words <laughs> in it. Uh, that is Green Day's Dookie. So I was very happy to see Green Day come up in this movie because nice. my list. Um, honorable mention for this category is also Skilo, I Wish, the whole album, mm. not just the single, because I definitely got that right around the same time, as well as Bush, Razorblade, Suitcase. But uh, Green Day, Dookie is the one that, uh, that I identify more as my first album. And it's still one I love listening to now. It's a great album. Um, for my number five, I will go with Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Um, one of the... One of the, probably one of the most well-known concept albums. Um, you really just like need to like just pop that in, and listen to it beginning to end. Um, yeah. Of course, the Wizard of Oz connection, whether apocryphal or not, uh, only enhances it for me. Uh, I tried doing it, it once. Yeah, uh, there are parts of it that are really cool, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's nonsense. Yeah, like there are parts that like work really well. Uh, mm-hmm. Most notably, when like during Munchkin Land, there's like uh, a couple songs that like it's actually like narrating what's happening at times. Um, but most of it is just, and the, and the last thing I think is it ends, there's a heartbeat, like right as she like, uh, bangs on the Tin Man's chest, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. But you also have to like get it like the time exactly right for any of this stuff to match up. Otherwise it's, it's nothing works at all. There's probably a version on YouTube that does it for you. I would imagine. I, I would imagine. Uh, my, I have a couple friends. I didn't, I didn't, I was planning to go with them. They went to a concert by the machine, which is a Pink Floyd cover band. And they play Dark Side of the Moon the whole way through as like one of their sets, and they had the Wizard of Oz on screens in the background running oh, as they wow. play. Um, where they're also, I guess, there's no way that they actually like matched it up exactly because it's a live show, so like you just can't do that. But it was still uh, very cool from what I was told. Nice. Yeah, I had a hard time with this a little, just because I wasn't sure if it was cheating to put greatest hits albums on this or not. Boy, uh, Barry a lot of would definitely music... say it's cheating. I think it's probably cheating, but it's your list. It's definitely yeah, it's cheating. My list, everyone. So. <laughs> well, yeah. if it's music that didn't come out while I while while I was alive, you know, I think yeah, that's it okay. doesn't. Have, I don't think it had. Mine has. I have a couple of them. <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon didn't well, come out while I was alive. So when I was a kid, um, I can remember very distinctly as a young kid, um, my dad listening to Creedence Clearwater Revival, and me always having a deep uh deep soft spot in my heart for ccr so i wanted and i this is an album i've listened to a million times over as well and so i put the uh ccr uh album chronicle mm-hmm. which is their 20 greatest hits and i don't know if that counts or not but that counts that's fine okay your list so that is my next one because that album reminds me of my dad and that means a lot to me so that's why it's on my list i see um yeah, that that is actually a great album. I remember when I got a CD, CD burner. That was one of the mm. first albums I, I burnt. Same CD. Um, so I, that as soon as you said CCR, I was like, oh, Chronicle Volume One. Yep, I yep. know that one. All right, <laughs> uh, mine. So there were a lot of albums when I was in high school that I really identify with loving. Um, and I'm actually, I am going to change this. So I had Californication by yeah. the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, that almost made my list too. Which is is very high. But uh, I was, like, obsessed with Incubus while I was in high school, to the point that my AIM name was Incubrooks. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, and I think my brother has actually taken on Incubrooks as, yeah. his, as his name. Uh, and 
the second album that they had, I mean, they had other small albums, but the second major album that they had was called Make Yourself. Um, and that had obviously a song called Make Yourself that had Drive. Um, what other song? Yeah, Drive was the big breakout hit from that. Yes, Drive and Drive is still their big breakout hit. Um, mm-hmm. Pardon Me is the other big one from that album, but the whole album is really good. Um, it, it is as well. A Morning View by by Incubus is very high on that list, but uh, Make Yourself. It was like the first band that I really like super geeked out on. Uh, both Red Hot Chili Peppers and Incubus I saw probably combined like 15 times between high school and college. So uh, Make Yourself by Incubus is my number two. Um, or number four. Sorry. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, we're just my, listing five uh, albums. I didn't rank them. My number four is Led Zeppelin Four. Mm. Oh, well, um, I, which I think is definitely the best of the Led Zeppelin albums, and they are one of my favorite bands of all time. If there's a band that I could travel back in time to see live, it would definitely be Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. Uh, yeah, um, and that yeah. that's that song has is just like filled with classics. So that I have album, Led Zeppelin sorry. Three on not on my list but on my desert island list i've had that on there a lot um but i feel like i couldn't tell you like three one four like which one is the best right um and what, that's what song that's is why, on four? what songs are on yeah. four four has black next... dog rock and wall roll stairway battle of evermore misty mountaintop going to california when the levee breaks i mean it's like uh, that's, all... that's uh that's why the next yeah. album on my list is actually um early days volume one of what's up <laughs> Because I couldn't pick one album from them. So the I compilation guy. Album. Yeah. So nice. Anything significant or just you love that album? I love it. Um, I could listen to rock and roll or a whole lot of love or the immigrant song all day, every day. Miss you out and out. Like, you know, I there's a special place in my heart for for immigrant song now more than ever with um, the role it plays in Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Immigrant song is such a good song. Uh, the, so the, the opening to that is so good. Get Even though it is about the Viking conquest of Ireland, and that means oh, I should hate it, it as an Irish, as someone of Irish heritage, I, I absolutely love that song. So there you go. All right. So well, stick, that's that one, early days, volume one. Boom. Sticking on the classic rock theme. So all through high school, my friends were obsessed with Pink Floyd and the Beatles. And mm-hmm. I never liked either of them very much when I was in high school. I was like, yeah, they're fine, but they're kind of overrated. Like, not to sound like a Kiva, yeah. but... Uh, it wasn't until I went on a Euro trip in college and I, you know, I think I had an, yes, I had an iPod at the time and I had loaded up some, some albums on there, including some Beatles album. Uh, we were in Prague and I drank a bunch of absinthe and I laid in our hostel room in the bed and Abbey Road came on. And I finally got why people loved Abbey Road laying in, and I will never forget laying in that that hostel bed in Prague, listening to the Beatles and listening to Abbey Road, uh, Abbey Road and Sgt. Pepper's. I love both of them quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, those are my two favorite Beatles albums. So, uh, yeah, Abbey I'm, Road a, I'm a Sgt. Pepper's guy. Yeah. yeah. Abbey Road is a fantastic album. So yeah, I, I wanted to put rubber soul on the list and I just didn't do it. So. Yeah. So Abbey Road is my number three. Yeah. My number three. Now, you know, I have two albums from the seventies. I'm going to jump all the way ahead to 2007. Um, and I remember still vividly a day when I wasn't working yet. I was still living in the city, but I hadn't started a job yet. And a friend of mine told me he's going to a concert that night by a, uh, by a band called the national. 
and I had never heard of them. And he's like, you should come with me. I said, but I never heard of them. So he said, well, they just released a new album called Boxer. So you should listen to that. And I put it on. And within 15 seconds, basically, of just like hearing like the opening chords and the lead singer's voice, I was like completely hooked. And I was like, I told him already before I finished the first song that I was in. Um, and I've, I must have listened to this album a thousand times in the 10 or 15 years since then. It's, it's to me, one of the best albums. Um, I think it came out in 2007. Yeah. Okay. It was like their fourth album. I've never heard anything from the national. I don't think. Yeah. They have like a very like melancholic slow with, with a, uh, a lead singer with like a very deep baritone voice. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would, uh, I would check if you're, if you're interested, I would check out that and the previous album alligator are probably their two best albums. I will have to check those out. Um, all right, yeah. Brandon, what is your number so two? Uh, I'm going to make a last second scratch. I, I was going to go with two that I had that pretty much were defined high school, but I'm going to knock one off and put the other one on and keep one. So we're going to, the first one I'm going to do, um, pretty much the definitive high school slash early college album for me is Weezer's Blue. Ah. So I have to go on my list and I can't, I can't not have Weezer on here because Weezer Blue pretty much is an album that tells you everything you pretty much need to know about me. Yes, they're great. (laughs) A lot, you know, in in my garage, if you want to destroy my sweater, you know, my name is Jonas. All the, all of them are. I mean, that album is so, that's on my Desert Island album list. Um, It's, it's just front to back. It is such, every song on it is so good. It's so yeah. Buddy Holly yeah. is one of the best music videos ever made as well. I don't, I don't feel one of the like best music the other, made, the other Weezer yeah. albums yeah. are as good. Pinkerton, the Green album, yeah. I, they're okay, but they're they are not the Blue album. Yeah, Blue, yeah. Blue yeah. is no, definitely their best. Yeah. All right, my number two, um, I believe it is the first hip hop album that is on this list, and uh, this was big when I was in college. It is uh, speaking of an album where every song is just amazing, uh, and it really, he had a couple really really good albums. Then he's gone kind of crazy since then. But this yeah. is the debut album by Kanye West. This is the college dropout. Nice. Um, I, I listened to this so much working out, um, driving around when I was in college. It's just like I this is one of those albums that like I, if you just put this on, I, I, I love the I love this music. It's so good. All right. Um, okay. My number two is August and Everything After. Um, Counting Crows was like the <sighs> first band that I loved. Um, I basically like I, I didn't become like a huge music fan until probably high school. Like I didn't really get into it until then. Um, and like that, I, I, and like I would, I would basically introduce the music by like downloading individual songs from Napster. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that was probably like the first album that I ever like really just like would like I had in my car and just would listen to over and over and over again. Yes. Um, and Counting Crows was one of my like, my first loves as a music fan. Uh, Counting Crows are great. I saw them live uh, at a casino when I was in college. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not usually great when they play live because, like, Adam Duritz tries to, like, talk the songs instead of singing them often. Mm. They can, they sometimes put on very good shows, and sometimes when he's, like, in a weird mood, he just talks instead of singing, and it, like, it's very strange. That was a weird concert because it was at a casino, and I think they limited them to, like, an 80-minute show. So it was just, like, it was very uh, abrupt, I felt like. It ended very abruptly. Yeah, and uh, Counting Crows is one of, like, the few bands that me and my my wife both love, and we we went to see them probably, like, two or three times when we were dating, including once we saw them at, like, Bowery Ballroom with, like, 150 people, and Mm. it was incredible. 
So uh, all right, your last one. My final yeah. pick. Yeah. So I uh, knocked off Hootie and the Blowfish. Cracked the review. Mm-hmm. That's, That's almost in my list. I was just about to put it on there, and it was really hard to not have Pearl Jam's ten on there. So I have to put Pearl. I have to start with Nirvana and end with Pearl Jam. Nice. Pick a side. But put Pearl Jam's ten. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a huge. I'm, Pearl Jam is by far my favorite band. Um, I just like I never think of Pearl Jam and, and more at least at this point in terms of their albums because mm-hmm. like their live shows are just like so much of what the experience of being a Pearl Jam fan is about that like it's almost besides the point like what albums things were on it's like you I think more of like the live versions of things mm-hmm. yeah and that's why I didn't put Foo Fighters on the list like I can't imagine ever like putting on 10 and just like listening to like the album versions of 10 at this point oh, or like at any point really like I would you know so, I would I would find like the best version of a live from like some concert that they did in California or something like that that's how I approached it uh 10 is still I, I love Ted. Ted's another one of those albums where every song is really good. So yeah. Versus is very good as well. But, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I haven't seen a lot of Pearl Jam live or any Pearl Jam live. So yeah, I've uh, seen them about 25 times. Yeah. So you're, that's, I, I was surprised Brennan was the first one with Pearl Jam on his list, but that explains it. Yeah. Um, all right. So my number five, uh, this, I'm going to go with another hip hop album. And this always brings me back to my time when I was in AmeriCorps driving around with my team in a van um, it was whoever was driving, they would get to put their plug their iPod into the aux cable and play music. Uh, right around this time, it was either right before AmeriCorps or like during that that year, that 2008 when I was in AmeriCorps. Uh, Lil Wayne's The Carter Three came out, and we listened to that album so much driving in the van. And I we even had a project in New Orleans, which is where Lil Wayne is from. Um, and I remember these. Uh, there's one song that starts off with "I need a Win Dixie bag full of money right now." And um, the store that we shopped at when we were in New Orleans was Winn-Dixie. It was the first I'd ever heard of a Winn-Dixie. So um, I don't know if I would still like the Carter 3 if I listened to it now, but it just will always remind me of my AmeriCorps team and my time uh, in AmeriCorps. Uh, oh, uh, honorable mention also for the Back to the Future soundtrack. That almost made this list. Yes, and <laughs> I, I almost I wanted listened to, to that a lot. Lewis on there. You know, I, there, there were a lot of things that almost made it. The Top Gun soundtrack almost made it. Yeah, I remember my first job was watering plants and I had a disc man and I would remember vividly watering plants and listening to the Back to the Future soundtrack. So, all right. Uh, what is your last selection? My last selection is Radiohead's OK Computer. Nice. Um, for my money, one of the best albums ever recorded. Um, and, and another one that you really just like need to listen to beginning to end to like just like take the whole thing in. Um, but also some like Lucky is one of my favorite songs. Carl Police, a great song. Paranoid Android, yeah. incredible song. Android. Um, but Ooh. just like putting just like putting that in beginning to end, fifty three minutes twenty one seconds. Nirvana. Yeah. yeah, I believe when I when I was in college in two thousand two thousand one, that was named the most influential or greatest album of the nineties. By Spin, maybe I think it was Spin magazine, yeah, and I remember right. the cover. I remember the cover. Mu- yeah, music right. elitists love Radiohead. I mean, they, yeah. these are like these guys. They, they all went to like OK Computer. Yeah, and they all they all went to music school. These are they're like real musicians that then became right. a rock band. Right. Uh, yeah, I bet you Barry doesn't like Radiohead, or at least doesn't like OK OK Computer. Yeah, no, yeah. he yeah he probably liked the yeah who the hell even knows he likes the B sides. Yeah. All right, so uh, speaking of Barry, I think. You know, the only way that the only thing I want to just mention about this movie is just uh, Jack Black as Barry is great in High Fidelity. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. He's he's the perfect radio store or uh, record store snob 
And yeah. even his entrance, like he comes in, in uh, insults what Dick is playing, the yeah. Bell and Sebastian that Dick is playing, puts on Walking on Sunshine, which is like a, I mean, it's like a super cheesy pop song, but it is like very fun, but it's just not what you would think like this hipster would like. Right. Um, he's, he's basically the next evolution of the Randall character from Clark's. Yes. He's like the music version of that. Yep. So, yeah. Um, and then and then we end the movie with Barry singing Let's Get It On, which I'm not a big Tenacious yeah. D fan, but uh, I did really like his his rendition of Let's Get It On. I did really enjoy that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Jack Black, I think he he's he burned very bright at the beginning. And then uh, not, this not so might be his best role. Uh, you brought up Saving Silverman earlier. I really like him in Saving Silverman. He's got a cameo in the Jackal. That's great. That's true. That's true. His cameo in the Jackal is really good. He destroys in School of Rock. That's true. He also does. And he's also not that bad as the voice in Kung Fu Panda. Uh, I've never seen Kung Fu Panda. Um, and I like. I actually like the new uh, the new Jumanji. Not the, I haven't seen the sequel, but the first okay. of the two Jumanjis I actually really liked. So, All right, so we in, actually uh, like Jack Black. He was in King Kong, right? Yes, yes. This I think that's when I don't really. That's like the stuff I don't really like. Yeah, him. the Peter um, Jackson one. That movie was yeah, so yeah. long. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. All right, so let's get into our feedback from the listeners, and then our ratings, and then our ladder. So, um, Brett. Oh, actually, we have to get our connection. So, did you guys have any other connections to the last movie that we watched? Uh, the uh, Thin Red Line. Besides Thin Red Line, uh, besides John Cusack, no, not really. Um, just. The these are very different movies. Yeah, these yes. are very different movies. Uh, there is a character named Charlie in this, and wasn't the uh, group called Charlie in the last in, in our line? Yeah. The Charlie yeah, Company. Charlie Company. Yeah. And uh, also, Rob makes a reference to people not being able to get over Nam, which is a war, obviously, yeah. in World War II. Um, right. It was a war. So. Um, and I think that if uh, we hadn't taken so long talking about this movie, I think we could probably come up with some other connections to other movies, but nothing really comes off the top of my head from this movie to other movies that we've covered on this podcast. Uh, besides like the, you know, romantic comedy, we've done a couple of romantic comedies, obviously. So, anything come to mind for you guys from other movies that we've covered? Nope. Uh, not off the top of my head. Of... Nope. Yeah. No. All right. Well, we'll I, see. I, I I'm sure they're a good job taking notes on this one. So, yeah, there's not that much to take notes on. So, all right, let's get, what do we got from the listeners? Brendan. Yeah, so we got a few different things. So uh, Jim sent in some late feedback just saying that he didn't get a chance to re-watch it, but he has oh. seen it before, loves it, and he still gives the movie a four, even though he didn't have time to rewatch it. Nice. Uh, our buddy Jeff wrote in, uh, I thought going in that I had seen this before, and I'm sure I've seen parts of it, but not the whole movie. Uh, fun rom-com with some good music. Rob's character really is kind of an asshole throughout the movie until he figures it out or quote unquote finds himself. So his growth is nice, but I like the use of the fourth wall to break uh for sorry, I like the use of fourth wall break to get you inside his head. Enjoyed this movie, but it wasn't fantastic. Gives him three point five. I did uh, like the fourth wall break. It is very it, much yeah. like a narrator in a in a movie. Yeah, I really liked when they're you know, after the conversation with um uh Junkie's ex character where they talk about exactly what he did wrong that ended their relationship and which parts of it were true. And he like fills us in on that. And he's trying to justify how much of an asshole he is. And like, depending on like where you are, I guess in the world, 
you may agree with him or not. But mm. like I found myself being like, yeah, none of this explains like you being an asshole. Yeah. It's just yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I did think that was really good use of fourth wall break though. Um, have uh, we had any movies at this point with fourth wall break? I don't think about it. I don't think nothing comes to mind that I can think of. Uh, I mean, uh, Memento kind of has that, but not really. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We have narration. Or at least the narration, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, says it was watchable, albeit irritating, and wasn't ever really funny or relatable or dramatic. Uh, didn't like the main character from the off and just annoyed me throughout. Uh, the trope of a guy moaning about how they made out with a whole bunch of attractive people and then wasn't asked to them while moping around, feeling self-pity for it didn't really appeal to me. Fair enough, dude. That's kind of how I'm feeling as well. Uh, and he didn't really do anything to earn any sort of redemption for me. Uh, I think it would have preferred this film with a central focus on Laura and the other women's viewpoints that John Cusack interacts with instead of uh, John Cusack's. Uh, like what would have been alluded to with him and Allison, uh, or when John Cusack and um, Laura have that conversation, if that had been the whole movie, that might have been better. Um, all yeah, things. So, uh, Owen gives the movie a 1.5 out of 5. Uh, he does think that the soundtrack is really uh, underwhelming as well, which I actually disagree with. I, the music I like the soundtrack. Great. I love the, yeah. the song at the end. That it's a Stevie Wonder song that they play at the end of the movie. Um, and I thought that I thought that that hit really well. So, I was yeah. a fan of that. Um, and, and Olin does reference in his email also that he's familiar with Nick Hornsby. Uh, and uh, yeah, I bet he would probably like the book better than the movie. It sounds like because he's more yeah. of a fan of the English sensibility. Um, I would be interested to hear if Olin liked the TV show, although if he didn't like the movie, he's probably not going to get to watch a multi-hour TV show. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he should try. Um, I think he should give it a shot. I think he might like it, especially on your recommendation. Um, he did send us in a really funny bit here that I just want to go through real quick where he sent us his top five song titles that could sum up his review sent in for the podcast for this week of this movie. So first off is Jealous Guy by John Lennon. I'm Afraid of Americans by David Bowie. I'm Bored by Iggy Pop. I Hate Men from Kiss Me Kate. And Devil's Child by Judas Priest. Maybe more, maybe more related to another Alcimensky hosted podcast than this one, but here we are. Oh, I, I thought that was really yes. funny. So between Owen's 1.5, uh, Jim's 4, and Jeff's 3.5, that's going to give us a listener average of a 3 for this week, guys. All right. So I'm going to go with my review, my rating first. Yeah, um, I'm going to give this movie a 3.5, which I know is a little bit, you know, just kind of down the middle but i thought the first half is really really good and uh i unlike Owen, and i really like the music and i like that it's just like guys hanging out talking about pop culture but i just felt like i it just kind of fell off in the end so not quite enough to me a four it's probably like a 3.6 yeah i'm uh i'm right exactly with you for the exact same reasons um as i said you know i, I think like the beginning of this movie the first 45 minutes to an hour is like a 4.5 or a 5 Mm-hmm. Um, but the second half is more like a two and a half or a three. It's just kind of like a generic rom-com that whatever. Um, although I will note that I thought it was very, it was very well done that in like the last scene or two where he's making a mixtape for her, he realizes that he should like put songs on that he thinks she will like instead of, yeah. uh, songs <laughs> that, that like nice. he thinks are cool. Yeah. Um, but like, so like just to show that he is starting to grow a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, what's your, what's your final rating of 3.5, 3.5 as well. 
And I am actually going to agree with you guys as well. Oh, um, two weeks I, in a row? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's I don't know what's gotten into the water or the uh, Sam Adams, as it were. But this is a movie that probably in 2000, 2001, when I was in college, and uh, angsty, mopey, 20-year-old, I probably gave this movie a 4, 4.5. But as an adult and as someone who's matured and grown in my own view of the world and how people should behave and act towards each other. I can't condone Rob's just lack of growth as a character. Um, It doesn't work for me as well. Although I love, I really love a lot of the performances. As I said, um, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Lily Taylor, um, the lady who plays Laura are all really, really, really solid. Oh, I thought um, I thought she was a terrible actress. The actress I thought she was fine. especially in that last scene, I thought she was very wooden. But anyway, I thought she was fine. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought the performances were good, but I just don't. Uh, I thought this was probably my least favorite thing I've seen John Cusack in a while, and or that I've revisited at least. Uh, so this is going to be a three point five for me as well. Yeah, you haven't looked at John Cusack's IMDb like I did today because he's not done anything in many <laughs> yeah. many years. Right. So that's actually going to give us an average of a three point three seven five, which we're going to bump up to a three point five for the purposes of Letterbox rating. So there we go. Three point five for high fidelity. All right, let's move on to our listener connections as we start talking about our ladder. Of course, our ladder is what we will be discussing next week, what movie we're going to decide on that connects to High Fidelity. So once we do pick a movie, if you have a movie connection that you want to suggest based on this one we're going to connect, you can tweet at us at LadderMovie, or you can email us, themovieladder at gmail.com. All right, so let's talk about our listener connections. Of course, we're going to start with Jeff. Jeff sent in some ladder picks. All of his are music-related. So he sent in four movies. He sent in Blues Brothers. He recommended it last week. He said it still fits because of the music. Also, I will throw in it fits because of Chicago. Blues Brothers takes place in Chicago. Yep. Uh, that Thing You Do, one of my all-time favorite movies. It is about a band, uh, and it is a movie about music. <laughs> it is a movie. Uh, Spinal Tap, another. It is a mockumentary about a band. Um, I think it's actually fully called This Is Spinal Tap. It is This Is Spinal Tap, yeah. yeah. So, it goes to 11. Yes. And then finally, uh, I did think this is a very, very interesting pick. My idea for doing a movie ladder before we even had a podcast when I just started my own movie ladder. That is Bohemian Rhapsody. We also and, do uh, Queen in this movie. So, yeah, Queen, we do hear Queen in the movie. So there you yes. go. We hear we are the champion. So uh, those are Jeff's four. Olin sent in a couple. He sent in Fever Pitch from 1997. I actually learned this while I was researching this movie. It is based on a Nick Hornsby novel. Oh, this is the British fever pitch. This is not the mm-hmm. one with Jimmy Fallon. Right. Okay. This is, the oh, this is so- not the Boston Red Sox. No, yeah, it's, not it's Manchester Boston United, Red Sox. I believe. Yes. Oh, another soccer recommendation. Um, interesting. Okay, I thought he was recommending mm-hmm. the one with Joe Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Do we so really want to watch something about Chester being United? Oh, man. The Manchester, yes. Sam, Sam Chester United? Is that what you're talking about? Sorry, uh, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't throw us off. Keep going. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, his second one, uh, just a year before 1997, mm-hmm. 1996, the movie I've never heard of called The Van. It is also directed by Stephen Frears. Uh, he said it is an Irish film. It's a middle-aged buddy comedy. That sounds fun. Um, nice. Based on Roddy Doyle, a Roddy Doyle novel. Also happens to be about soccer. I think Olin likes his soccer movies. 
So, um, and a, du- a Dublin working class man gets made redundant and with his money buys a van to sell fish and chips during Ireland's 1990s World Cup. That sounds fun. That does actually sound like a fun movie, too. Uh, yeah. I wonder if that's streaming anywhere. Yeah. Um, all right. And then Jim sent in his recommendation, taking one off of my list that I was going to suggest. Mm-hmm. It's School of Rock, written and directed by my, or I don't know if it's directed, but written by Mike White. Uh, directed by Richard Linklater. Oh, director. Oh, really? I did not realize. Um, and it stars Jack Black. It's a movie about music. This was actually the first movie I wrote down as my connection before I even started High Fidelity. So um, Joan yeah. Cusack is in it as well. Oh, yep. Joan Cusack is in it. Um, yeah, I haven't seen this since this came out. I would definitely be interested in revisiting School of Rock. So yeah, I remember really liking it. And, it's uh, really spoiler. Fun, yes. Spoiler of uh, Mike White is on a season of Survivor that you've not gotten to yet. So. Mike White is on a season of Survivor. Okay, which yeah. season? Uh, what was he on, Brendan? David uh, versus Goliath. David versus Goliath. Oh. So, uh, so what's that? Thirty-seven. Thirty-eight, I think. Something like that. Thirty. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yeah. Guys, I haven't even seen it, and I know. <laughs> Dude, there's too many seasons of Survivor. Yeah, I, I, got, I got all the thirties confused. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Too. Mike White is also a good friend with Jeff of Jeff Probst as well. Cool. All right, um, so let's go with our host connections now. So each of us are going to bring a movie. From that, we are going to pick a movie each to advance to the finals. Av, why don't you go ahead? Um, okay, so I will. Uh, one of them is something that we mentioned before. Um, I have not seen About a Boy, um, which is also a Nick Hornby. It's Hornby, by the way, not Hornsby. Hornsby is the baseball I, player. People from, people from Michigan add S's to words. It's just oh, a okay. thing we do. We say we say Myers yeah. and Croakers, and so I say Hornsby. Cool. Winds of change, it all happens. Yep. Um, and like High Fidelity, <laughs> About a Boy was also adapted into a TV show afterwards. Yeah, I didn't realize. Um, that. My second is a movie that I think has been recommended before in a previous podcast, um, in which Dick Cusack, father of Joan and John Cusack appears. That takes place in Chicago. The Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones movie, The Fugitive. Yes, it has been recommended before. Uh, so Dick Cusack was in this movie, too. I didn't know who he played. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice I think that. I oh. saw that on Letterboxd that he was in this. Interesting. Okay, I didn't even catch that. Okay, he so plays better. The min- oh, he plays the minister. So okay. during, the funeral, during the funeral. That's, that's good enough. Um, all right, I have two more. Uh, my next one is a movie I've seen. It's one of my favorite breakup movies. Um, where they also have conversations about music, 500 Days of Summer. Oh, and nice. notably, they we talked about DVDs before. They go to a DVD store at one point, and you can see the DVD of High Fidelity in the video store. Oh, that's a great connection. Did you that's remember? Really did you just remember that? that or did you no, I just, uh, yeah, I, I somehow noticed that when I was doing research. Did I did not remember that. I'm not that's crazy. Some, okay. <laughs> that would be quite the, quite the thing to remember. Yeah. And then my last one is a movie I have not seen, directed by Tim Robbins, and has Jack Black. It also has Sean Penn, which goes back to two weeks ago. And that is the, I think, 1995 movie Dead Man Walking, about a man. Oh, I thought you were going to say Bob Roberts. Mm. Uh, Dead Man Walking. All right, so those are my four. About a Boy, The Fugitive, 500 Days of Summer, and Dead Man Walking. Good solid choices. Nice. Dead Man Walking here. All right. All right. So obviously I had School of Rock on mine, but I'm going to skip that. Um, So the first is um, I tried to go with stuff I haven't seen, but um, it's not going to work out that well. So um, Rob talks about how he hired Barry and Dick for three days a week 
and they just started showing up and they just kept showing up and never left. And that reminded me of Milton from Office Space. So nice. Office Space. I haven't seen Office Space since I actually started working in offices. I would be curious. Uh, very different now, but <laughs> thought it'd be interesting to revisit Office Space. Um, I have a whole bunch of movies about working in record stores, working in video stores. Mm-hmm. Um, this this you know this whole concept. I have one, two, three, four. I have five written down. So uh, that's interesting for a top five. Um, Brendan, pick a number between one and five. Two. Two. That is Reality Bites. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other the other it. ones on that list were Empire Records, uh, yeah. Clerks, Be Kind, Rewind, and Dazed and Confused. Yeah, Empire Records was the most obvious one that I left off my list. Yeah, so, I thought of Clerks as well. Yeah. Um, all right, so Reality Bites. I don't even know if they work in a record store, but it's just like people who, you know, it's music related. It's a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Same time for, period. Um and then my other one is uh, one of the only recent movies starring John Cusack that I have heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes place in Chicago. It is a movie by a director I really like, and I have not seen it yet. And I think it would be interesting to visit a movie from this director because he has a new movie coming out this Friday. Uh, so that director is Spike Lee. And the movie is his 2015 movie, Chirac. Chirac, yes. I have not seen. Yes. I saw it. It's... it's... It's yeah. it's it's a uh, it's very messy. <laughs> Let's yeah. that. It's uh, uh it's it's not Spike Lee at his best. Okay. Um. Yes, I did not notice that I've already rated it. Uh, Josh Larson likes it, but um. All right. So Chirac is my my, uh, my third for Chirac. And you're just gonna leave it at three H. Oh, I why not throw a bonus in there? I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, uh. All right. So let's also put the harder they come on there. Uh, okay. I don't know if you guys have actually seen The Harder They Come. It stars oh, Jimmy Cliff. There was a Jimmy Cliff song referenced in this mo- in this movie. Uh, it is it is known as the Jamaican Scarface. So uh, it takes place in Jamaica and it's about um, a crime lord and it's got a Jimmy Cliff soundtrack. It's very good. My brother just recently watched it on my recommendation um, and it's available to stream on Hoopla and Canopy. Interesting. So I am going with, uh, so my first thought when watching this movie is that there are a ton of movies where two people from this movie are in another movie either playing opposite each other as like romantic leads or best friends or brother and sister. And so I came up with a few movies where two people, where two of the leads are in the the same movie in similar roles. Um, The first one I thought of is a 2001 Romantic comedy starring John Cusack, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Bill, Billy Crystal, and Julia Roberts called America's Sweethearts. Uh, I remember the trailer for that. And I actually found this movie really charming when I saw it. Um, it's a really dumb movie. It's not critically well-regarded, but I really liked it. Um, it's got a really... Um, Fun performance in a minor role from Rain Wilson, where he plays a movie critic. Um, it's I, I really enjoyed it. And then to go outside of the box, I'm going to go with a movie I haven't seen, where Lily Taylor and Catherine Zeta-Jones are both in a movie that was later made into a TV show, like this one, called Haunting of Hill House. And there was a movie in 1999 called The Haunting. That is the same story, same characters, 
and it's uh, Lily Taylor, Catherine Zeta Jones, Liam Deeson, and Owen Wilson. And so I'm going with 1999's The Haunting. Mm. <laughs> I remember seeing and that one in theaters. You saw it? I saw it in theaters. <laughs> and then I am also going to go with a movie um, that I haven't seen that revolves around people who are rebellious in their love of music and music DJs. And that is the Philip Seymour Hoffman movie Pirate Radio. Mm. And he's basically a British rock DJ who um, has this radio station and a bunch of reject uh, radio personalities out on a boat. I don't know anything about it really, um, but I've, it sounded really fun. And I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. I would love to fill that blank spot in my Philip Seymour Hoffman biography. And then the character of Dick plays a minor role in the movie Jerry Maguire, where he's the music tutor of Renee Zellweger's son. Mm. And he comes in and he talks about how he's going to teach the kid all about jazz. And that and that kind of, um, I thought, was a really funny connection to this movie. Because they could, in theory, be the same character. So I want to throw Jerry Maguire in there as well. I can't believe that you got your Camera Crow movie. I did get my Camera Crow movie. So there you go. Uh, I also can't believe that Say Anything didn't come up on any list. It didn't, and I almost thought about Almost Famous as well. But I did not. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also thought about Gross Point Blank. Didn't throw it in there. So um, one movie that did not come up on any of the lists, um, and I thought about adding it. It is a lesser-known movie. Um, I'm the only one on this list who looks like I've seen it. It is about a father and daughter who work in a record store, um, and I love it, love it, love it. It's so good. It's on Hulu and on Hoopla and Canopy, and I highly <laughs> recommend it. It's called, it's called Hearts Beat Loud. Yeah. It stars Nick Offerman. It's the Nick Offerman right? movie that came yeah, out. Yeah, I, I, never, I never saw that. I really it's, want to see that. I feel like Av, I think as a dad, I think you would really, really like this. It was about him connecting with his daughter. Um, I yeah, this is just one of those movies. It, if you're feeling kind of down, watch this movie. It'll make you feel right. just happy. Right. On. Uh, so, uh, you know what? Actually, switch the harder they come with Hearts Beat Loud. Just because okay. I started talking about it, let's make it an official. So the harder nice. they come, switch out with with Hearts Beat Loud. All right. So very quickly, I'm going to go through all of the options that we have and then we will pick our final three so we have blues brothers that thing you do spinal tap bohemian rhapsody fever pitch the van school of rock vada boy the fugitive 500 days of summer dead man walking office space reality bites Chirac, hearts beat loud america's sweethearts the haunting jerry Maguire, and pirate radio all right, Brandon, you get to go first with your pick for the one. It's the beginning day. of summer. Everybody's ready to have a really good time. Uh, everybody's thinking about how hot it is outside and hanging out with their friends, even though so we can't really do much of that right now. But I'm going to pick uh, 500 Days of Summer because yeah. I've never seen it. It sounds really fun. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I think it's really good. Have, yeah, I think we can have a really good time. It uh, is, I'm going to go with 500 Days of Summer. It's a good choice. I somehow have never seen This Is Spinal Tap, and it's been on my list for a while, so I will nominate that. All right. Nice. And my pick, um, I was very tempted to pick The Van. It sounds really interesting, but I had School of mm -hmm. Rock on my list, and I took it off because Jim suggested it. 
three to choose from. Five hundred days of summer. This is Final Tap and School of Rock. All right. Now I have to come to up to some kind of consensus. Um, what is the connection to Five Hundred Days of Summer? Just that it's a romantic comedy about a breakup, breakup movie, and the DVD for High Fidelity is seen in the video uh, store. Yeah, that's a great connection. I would I would vote for Five Hundred Days of Summer. I think. I mean, I do School of Rock. I think that also is a really good connection. I think Spinal yeah. Tap is a good one to see, and it's very fun, but it's I not. Like, a think really the great connection movie. to this movie is very tangential. 500 Days of Summer, I, it looks like it's definitely on Stars. It might also be on. No, it's just on Stars. Okay. All right. Okay. Still have the Stars. Uh, this is Spinal Tap School is not streaming. I mean, all, all I've never seen. The other two of these, School of Rock is great. Yeah. Um, I've not seen this is Spinal Tap, as I said, but. I could wait. It's I've, I've I've waited thirty years. I could wait a little bit more. So School of Rock is on both HBO Go and Amazon Prime. So it's really I I would say it's a I mean I I would say if, I mean we've, we've all seen of School of Rock, right? Yeah, right. Not in a okay. while, but yeah. So I would I guess I would favor the one that at least one of us hasn't seen because that's just more interesting. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, would it- Demon. And I think Five Hundred Days of Summer is a better movie than School of Rock too. Even though I think School of Rock is very fun, Five Hundred Days of Summer I remember really loving. Would it matter if we took School of Rock off and put Heart to Beat Loud on, since everybody kind of got well, excited about that about that one? Zach mentioned it. Well, Heart to Beat Loud was my choice, though. Is the problem? That's um, true. I mean, I wouldn't oppose. I wouldn't be opposed to Heart to Beat Loud. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, we let's, go with let's stick with. Let's stick with 500 Days of Summer. We're all pretty much in consensus with that. Um, cool. All right. So, so next week's choice is 500 Days of Summer. Um, we're starting off the summer, so we're going to we're gonna watch this romantic comedy starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. Um, let's see. I've, did you say it's, it's streaming on Stars, as I've yeah. said, um, as well as Rentable? Um, as well as libraries are starting to open back up. So if you're comfortable going to the library to get a DVD, you might be able yeah. to do that. Uh, Clark Gregg is in this movie as well. So oh, nice. MCU fan. Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg. Um, all right. So, yes, as I said, next week, 500 Days of Summer. There are lots of connections, including the DVD cover for High Fidelity is in the video store in 500 Days of Summer. It's also a breakup rom-com. has some music. And it's told in kind of an interesting way. Also, the number five, 500, top five list. It, those yeah. connect to each other, too. Fair enough. Um, so we, uh, I think we're going to stick around for a little bit. And uh, Av had to go, but Brennan and I are still That's here. Exciting. And we are going to talk about what we've seen over the last week. The best thing that we saw. We moved this to the end. Um, so I, the one thing I'm not going to talk about, so I would say probably the best movie I watched this week was E.T., but I want to wait till mm. Av is back to discuss ET. Um, so I'm gonna yeah, hold I know off on that. that. Yeah. Um, so uh, I am gonna I'm gonna talk about the best movie I watched. It is not ET. And uh, Brennan, to step on another podcast that you are a part of, let's talk, talk about Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Yeah. Uh, yes. Let's fucking go. Week. Yeah. So uh, uh, I thought that. I mean, I also saw the Goonies. That was fine. But Captain America: The Winter Soldier yeah. is just. Like, it is my number one MCU movie. I watched it this week. I rewatched it this week, and it's got good stuff with the you know it's the first one by the Russo brothers. They do a really good job blending humor and action, and I was I was really excited to revisit. Yeah, I I really love uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier myself. I rewatched it um, the other day as well um, in preparation for the Push Every Catch Cod. Um, 
it holds up so well. It's just like great action, great camaraderie between all the characters, two great villains. Like Alexander Pierce actually holds up as like a really good political bad guy. He's like better than all of the smarmy businessman slash senator characters that came before him in the MCU. He's and I think a lot of that is owed to, you know, getting somebody like Robert Redford to play him is just an incredible flex by the MCU. Um, did they get Robert Redford to even do it? Um, yeah, I, I love Winter Soldier. I still didn't move it up in my MCU review rankings from where it is right now after this most recent rewatch, recent rewatch, but I did give it a 5.5 out of 6 in the Infinity Stones rankings, so... It's it's up there for me. It's a, it's a top seven. It's it's number seven on my MCU list right now. Number seven. That's so yeah. low. It doesn't feel low for me though. So it's. I mean, the the, the, the best of the MCU is very good. So. Right. That's the thing. It's you know, and it's like we were saying earlier with music and certain movies. It a lot of it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing ever made. It's the thing that hits you in the moment that you enjoy the most that you put high on your list or low on your list. Like it's, you know, that's why rankings are arbitrary and reductive because they're all subjective to how you're feeling in the moment. And so, I mean, it may go up at a certain point later when we revisit some of the movies that are ahead of it, you know, on the podcast, who knows? Right. I do think I know a lot less about music versus like for movies. I feel like I, uh, I like have so much more movie knowledge. It's very hard for me to form lists of movies, mm-hmm. and then I feel like I always have to like defend them. Um, I still do it a ton, but the the music list right. was like super easy for me to come up with albums. Now I think ranking songs is harder than ranking. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I would never try to write songs. That's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, no. It, uh, if you haven't watched Captain America: The Winter Soldier, I mean that whole trilogy is really really great. Um, yeah. This one works well as a standalone movie. Just you don't have to have any other. No- yeah. And after watching Captain America one, leading into Captain America three, or if you're watching it as part of like the whole like twenty movie MCU, uh, all three of them work. Yeah, well. yeah, it's a re- uh, it's is- just a really fun uh, spy thriller set in DC. I mean, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes, uh, lots of fun DC stuff too. I mean, it's fun to nitpick like the things they get wrong about DC, where it's like clearly mm. they didn't film it in DC. Um, yeah, but I found out uh, I found out during my own research for the pod that a lot of it actually is disappointingly shot in Cleveland with certain little shots of DC interlaid over it to make it feel like it's in DC. But a lot mm. of that film is shot in Cleveland, which is really fucking disappointing to find out. So yeah. I do like remember I, when they filmed some of it in DC. But yeah, uh, they filmed the beginning and then they filmed some of the shots of like the Washington Monument and the bridge from Alexandria and yada yada. Like Stuff like that, but a lot of the like close-up stuff is all not DC at all. It's all Cleveland. Even they even replicated the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in Cleveland. That's not Air and Space. Oh, interesting. It's some oh, that's, museum. That's, in that's Cle- very some, disappointing. It's some oh. museum in Cleveland that they redecorated as the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Oh, that's it was really disappointing. So, uh, yes, uh, also this week I did watch, uh, as I said, I watched The Goonies. I watched E.T., which I'm going to hold off talking on E.T. until uh, Av is back. And uh, I also rewatched I Am Not Your Negro on, on, I think it was on Canopy. And uh, that's that's kind of a documentary. Like, they took James Baldwin's writing and Samuel L. Jackson, and they show it 
with historical footage as well as uh, some more recent stuff. It was made in 2016, but it definitely could have been made this week. Um, and yeah, just the way it talks about about race, racial relations, race relations, and uh, ties it in with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it's just it was very educational. It was very hard to watch at times. Um, and after I watched that movie, I realized that James Baldwin wrote the inspiration for If Beale Street Could Talk, yeah. which was one of my favorite movies the year it came out. I think it was 2017 that that came out. That made my top 10 list. It is a beautiful movie. Um, and. You know, there there is talk about, you know, this is this talks about James Baldwin's writing. There's talk about how, you know, James Baldwin, in addition to being a black man, he was also a gay man and mm -hmm. uh, just the way he is treated by society. And um, yeah, and there, are, I, there are some there are some more movies inspired by what is going on with the protests and with Black Lives Matter that I would like to watch soon, um, yeah. including 13th and uh, some Spike Lee movies. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely definitely excited for the Spike movie to come out next week and to watch it. Um, yeah. I'm really interested in to see. Um, so I went down to the protests on Saturday, and after I got back, I watched um, I Am Not Your Negro as well. And I I was pretty moved by it. Um, I knew vaguely the stories of, you know, what happened with Megar Evers and Malcolm X. And, you know, Martin Luther King was the most well-known person to me, obviously, that they talk about in that movie, um, as he is for most people, I think. Mm -hmm. of our generation but it was really interesting to hear you know like you said james baldwin could have basically been talking about what's happening here in 2020 and he's talking to um you know to the talk to the talk show host that he's being interviewed by in you know 1971 1972 and he, he could have very well just as easily been talking to jimmy kimmel in 2020 and saying the yeah. exact same things like it, it's it's incredible and sad and very powerful to realize like how far we've come and how little we've actually moved as a society in accepting and accepting each other and treating each other as equal. And it's um, after that, I was actually um, the next morning I was inspired to watch um, the Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx movie, Just Mercy, which, which has been made. It's, it's made uh, available to rent for free. Yeah, um, it's for free on Fandango. I watched it on Fandango for free on their ro streaming Roku streaming service. Um, and it was really well done, really well acted, really incredible, and as well, really powerful. Um, and it's basically about Jamie uh, Foxx is a prisoner on death row in Alabama who was wrongly convicted and... It's Michael B. Jordan's struggle to not only release him, but start in equal rights. Um, in basically a pre-innocence project, innocence project called right. Equal Justice for All, and um, basically take on cases of people on Alabama's death row and try to not just exonerate them if they're innocent, but get them off of death row so that they won't be executed because their lives matter. Mm -hmm. Their lives still matter. Like, I feel like you know, Just Mercy came and went last year. Like I, I remember, it came I, out around Christmas time, and I don't yeah. remember I heard really anything about it after it came that, out. That's part of the problem is it came out right at the end of 2019, and then just sort of disappeared. It got it got lost in the shuffle. Unfortunately, did it get nominated for anything? Was it nominated for anything? Uh, no, it wasn't. But okay. I thought it was really well done. I thought it definitely could have been. I mean, Michael B. Yeah. Jordan is just a great young actor. I mean, not that young anymore. He's, I think, yeah, he's, he's not that young anymore. But it's it's fantastic, and 
Um, so I highly recommend both of those movies if you are trying to deal with your feelings about how to um, learn. So if you want, if you want to learn something from the moment that we're in in our history, I highly recommend just. You know, opening your the least you can do is turn on your Roku or your DVD player or whatever, and watch some movies that are from a different person's point of view than your own. Um, and I will so, say, so yeah. Just Mercy, Selma, and Ali all yep. have been made streaming for free by the movie studios that produce them. Yep. Um, so you can rent them for free. Uh, also, and, Malcolm X by Spike Lee is uh, streaming. Yep. On and Netflix, blind, I, be- I believe, blind, the right starting is on HBO. Yeah, Blind Spot is on HBO, um, and I believe uh, Do the Right Thing is not streaming for free anywhere, but Do the Right Thing is another one that was made in 1989. That yeah. could have been made today. Uh, yep. There is a lot of police brutality and protests in that movie. Um, it, Do the Right Thing is is very high on my list to rewatch sometime soon. Yeah, so it's, um, uh, it's, I, it is I, unfortunate I, that it took some some tragedy to get people to you know start this discussion and start this conversation. And I know you know I am I am struggling to find the right words to say. Um, as I, as I, as we process this moment, but, um, I think this is as good of a moment as any to, yeah, as Brendan said, open your eyes. If there's something that, um, you know, if there's something that appeals to you, there's some great art out there. Um, if you'll streak a talk is another one that I really recommend. Brendan brought up blind spotting black Klansmen, um, and, and tons that we haven't seen, but, um, yeah. And it did, and not everything, not everything in this moment necessitates you, tweeting something or Facebooking something or Instagramming something, sometimes the best thing you can do is take a moment for yourself and do some research and watch something you haven't seen before and educate yourself a little and, you know, retain some of the information for yourself rather than, you know, you know, rather than just jumping on the, the Twitter, the Twitter sphere. Trying right. To, well, then I think it's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's people it's, are dealing it's, it's with hard. this. Everybody's yeah. dealing with this in their own way. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, you know, we're just like, you know, we're two white guys who are talking about something. Right. We are no, in no way experts or in no way telling people how to process their feelings no, on this or how to, how to act. And that's not how uh, I meant it at all. But yeah. No, yeah. what I found for me works has worked is uh, trying to listen more, trying to take Absolutely. another perspective, which I think is what you're trying to say. Um, yeah, that's... And, and in addition to that, for me, the way I learn a lot of things is podcasts and mm-hmm. watching movies. Um, and there are some fantastic books that I've seen recommendations out there for, and I am just not the person to dive into a book, and I will not retain it the way I would with something either more visual or more audio. So, um, you know, I think, you know, it's it's finding yeah. finding what, how is it that you can that you can engage with this moment that we're in with this cultural change in moment that we're in with the black lives matter movement and protests. Um, and you know, we are trying to do that as content creators, but, um, also as consumers of content. And I think, I think if there, if there is, you know, if if you are looking for inspiration or ideas for movies, I know, um, Ob's other podcast, there will be pod, which is his monthly movie podcast. They are going to be doing, um, their entire June top five is going to be about, um, movies to help educate on the black lives matter movement and not documentaries, but, uh, narrative movies. So I'm, um, hopefully I'm not spoiling anything that they, they said, but that is their, that is their plan. So to give a plug for, uh, a podcast that, uh, Av will be participating in later on this month. That is, there will be pod. That is his monthly movie podcast. So yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think, I, I think it's, you know, there is a lot going on and, uh, 
I think it's it's good to be kind to others, but also be kind to yourself as well. Exactly. Exactly. You you can't take care of anyone else if you're not taking care of yourself as well a little bit, you know, it's important to do both. Balance is important. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, who, who would have thought that? I mean, I guess it would make sense that we can start talking about the cultural moment. But um, and I think, you know, I, I mean, would love I would love suggestions if there are movies that people have watched that they think really spoke to them or um, really kind of. Uh, bring up some interesting points, bring up a, a unique viewpoint. Uh, I, I am all ears and I am sure Brendan is too. And Absolutely. Uh, you know, we like to give suggestions on this podcast, but we'd love to hear suggestions back from people with uh, how, they, how, how they're gathering during this moment and um, engaging with it. Yeah. Cause I mean, the last thing I want to do is, you know, someone to think that I have like, that we have our heads buried in the sand or have blinders on because we're not mentioning it. You know what I mean? Like, Right. I'd, rather, and, I'd rather us have a conversation like this in the context of our podcast and maybe you know, teach some other people something they didn't realize or think about than just ignore it completely, which is just the the worst thing you can do is to ignore it. Yeah. Well, it's 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 hard. I mean, even last week yeah. we did our podcast and we talked about the Thin Red Line and um, we mentioned that it was just very hard to talk about that. And I was in such a different headspace last week with everything going on. It was just, uh, yeah. uh, And, you know, it was an it was an it's. Doing this podcast for me, um, you know, and it, it, it can come off as selfish, but I find podcasting and creating podcasts very therapeutic. And right. um, there have been, especially during this pandemic, and I kind of wish I was on for this, but there have been times during this pandemic where um, I've been really struggling with either the pandemic or um, you know the other the other societal changes and things that are going on. And and there have been times that it's been really hard for me and honestly just hopping on with you and Av and like just diving head first into Memento or the thin red line or what's upon a time in Hollywood and just having a discussion, even if it's just for the three of us, it's been so helpful for me. And it's been something that I've really, really appreciated during this time. And it's, it's just great that the internet can bring the three of us together. I mean, I know you and I know each other, but neither of us have ever met Av uh, besides on the internet. And it's just, uh, it, it's 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 a great it's a great thing for me and it um it is a great outlet that is very helpful for me during yeah. a trying time and especially in times like this like mental health is the most important thing you can do to take care of yourself i mean yeah. you're stuck inside you're not interacting with people the way you're used to you're not doing the things you're used to be doing and the way that you're used to be doing them and now on top of that you have you know the worry of a global pandemic the worry of the societal change that's happening economic right imbalance economics and um, imbalance like everything things. is I mean, yeah, it's and it's murder hornets so it's i mean it's very, everything yeah. it's a very stressful time in our in our society for everyone and i think it's important to remember that and important to reflect on that and important to like you said do the things we can to escape from it when we need to and find those connections and i agree um that's been one of the great things about this podcast is we been able to just sort of be there for each other over the last you know three months four months that we've been doing this um six and months we've been doing it for six, the, since hasn't the been of the six year. months so, yeah but yeah. yeah but i mean during the pandemic the, the last right. three to four yes. months of the pandemic we've sort of turned to each other which has been great because i mean you know it's just been really hard and it's different if i only had the production stuff i was doing for post show recaps that's a certain sort of distraction, but it's not the same as jumping on with you guys and having that actual interaction. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I think hanging out, uh, with, my, hanging out and, with my friends for two hours talking. Right, and for you me, know, it's been the, especially the last couple. Like, yeah. and and this is you know this might come like off as self congratulatory, and it is not meant to be, but um, you know, especially like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like just revisiting that movie <laughs> and really diving into some of the like unique aspects of that movie with you guys. Um, and doing yeah. that deep dive, it's, you know, therapeutic. That was our best podcast. In my and then last Anybody week, last week that we can, last week we did a, we did a deep dive into the thin red line and it was, uh, you know, a lot more of a sad podcast, mm-hmm. especially given the moment that we were recording in it. And then today, just, uh, this one, I, I had a lot of fun. Like this was, to- yeah. you know, this was, this was like, we, we just got to talk about, like, we just got to kind of banter, like, like what the yeah. movie was. And it's, um. So I, you know, I think that it's a it's a creative outlet, and um, absolutely, I, I really appreciate that that we're able to do this podcast, and uh, even if it's just for our own benefit, I um, it, it means a lot to me. So yeah, I agree, and it's you know, it's I, I get to talk to you every day off the podcast, but it's nice to be able to like get on and hear your voice once a week and. Right. You know, and if you're out. curious what those conversations between Brendan and I are like during the day, they are on yeah. Gchat and just go rewatch those scenes with Barry and Dick in Yeah, and they're pretty much and that's the same. Basically what yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. So um all basically right. Basically that uh, Jan and Dean conversation over and over and over yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> so uh all right. Well, let's start wrapping things up. I've missed a whole lot. Uh it's okay. to listen. <laughs> uh so you can find Av. He is at A Sinensky on all platforms. He has a uh, monthly movie podcast, which I kind of teased out what they're going to be talking about yeah. earlier. And he also has a weekly Kirby Enthusiasm podcast called Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good. This week they are covering The Baptism, which I thought was a very fun episode. Let's see. What <laughs> I, let's see what my rating for that one was. Uh, um, I believe a 4.0. Hmm. Yes, it is not coming what's up. Their, what's their scale? One to five? Uh, one to five. Yes. A one oh, to wow. five pretties is their scale. Oh, Let's see. Yeah. So clever, clever. Let's yeah. see what they did there. So um, yes, that that is Ovsensky and Alex Chester. Um, yes, I gave that one four four pretties. It is definitely the movie or the it is definitely the episode of Kirby Enthusiasm that feels the most dated. Watching it, there's a lot of airport yeah. stuff that you're just like, ah, uh, that is not how airports work anymore. I feel so. like you're gonna come along a lot of that in the next couple of seasons, but who knows? Yeah. So. Uh, all right, and Brennan, where can people find you, and what do you? Want? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at BrennFids11 or on Twitter at FidzyBrendan, or if you're following Post Show Recaps at Post Show Recaps. Um, like I said, we have, or you said as well, we have uh, Winter Soldier dropping this week for Everything is Super. Also, one of the surprisingly best Lost episodes dropping this week for Down the Hatch, uh, two for the road. Yes, Which I was surprised when I, I watched that. How good that was! watched this week, and it's incredible. Um, su- surprisingly, I don't remember. I didn't remember the episode being that good because that episode is really only remembered for the ending. And, uh, it's got a terrible title. That's why. That's yeah, why yeah, that's also it's why it's got a terrible title. Two for the road is just bad. But there's actually a funny story behind why it's called Two for the Road, and I won't spoil it here. You'll have to listen to Down the Hatch to push a recap. So, nice. boom, gotcha. Look at you. All right. And uh, I am at Brooks ZA on all platforms. I am podcasting almost every day with my brother about the Netflix series Dark. Yeah. A German sci-fi show with tons of character connections. And the third season comes back two weeks from this Friday. So we're going through each episode in season one and season two with the knowledge of 
watching the first two seasons, so it's a rewatch podcast. Then once the third season comes out on June 27th, we'll be switching to a regular watch podcast with no future knowledge. And uh, mm-hmm. we are now on Apple Podcasts, so we are on every podcast platform. You can look us up. It is called Digesting Dark. So we'd love to have more people along the way, uh, especially as yeah. people are gearing up for season three. It's a if you if you don't have the time to rewatch the episodes, you can listen along to the podcast and we explain kind of what you're seeing and how people are connected because it is a very confusing show. Yeah, which is what I'm going to be doing. Um, I just listened to your first episode this afternoon while I was at work and really appreciated how you guys sort of teased out the show. So the first episode is non-spoiler. Um, it yep. de- delves into why you should watch Dark. So even if you're on the fence about watching it, I highly recommend checking out that first episode. And you guys might decide to get on the dark train with Zach and AJ. Um, yeah. Because it's, so it's the a first, fun show. The first episode we did, yeah, the first episode, it's actually episode zero in our feed is what it's yeah. called. Um, and that's all about why you should watch Dark. There are no spoilers in that. The second episode is an episode all about the premiere, the pilot episode of Dark. The first half of that we did from a non-spoiler perspective. So if you decide from the first episode you want to watch or the first podcast you want to watch the first episode of dark, you can listen to the first half of our dark podcast. But mm-hmm. then after that, uh, turn away, step out of the cave because you should not be listening any further because <laughs> you will get spoiled on everything. Um, nice. fortunately, but then you show up dark and then come back and listen to the podcast with the full knowledge and it will, uh, it will make more sense to you. So, Fantastic. Um, also, it's my brother's birthday coming up this Monday on June 15th. Hey-o. And, uh, him and I are talking about doing a birthday podcast for him. So um, one of the ideas I was thinking is he was born in 1989. So I said, why don't you pick your favorite movie from every year of your life? And we'll do like a countdown podcast. We'll start with 1989. You give your favorite movie from 89, 90, all the way to 2020. So that actually sounds uh, really fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I'm not sure exactly how that'll work or if we will do it, but I think it would be fun. He said he was into it. So um, I'll be I'll be putting that out on the uh, Dial P for podcast feed. And I'll probably tweet that out from um, from the Movie Ladder podcast once we do have that out. So. Absolutely. Yeah. We, so you we, can find uh, Brooks and yeah, be a true personal uh, a true personal ladder. Right. Exactly. So um, cool. All right. Well, we have talked. Uh, this has got to be one of our longest podcasts, but we did get into some fun stuff with the After Dark. Av, I yeah. hope you tuned back in to listen to the last half hour of this that you missed, and I hope your dinner was wonderful. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks, right. guys. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, We will see you next week for 500 Days of Summer, which is connecting off of High Fidelity. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Be excellent to enjoy. Yes, be good. Bye. Be good. (laughs) What I want.